Good evening, everyone. If you're a guest with us tonight, just want to extend a special welcome as well. My name is Dave. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I'm our, our lead pastor here. And um, You know, I, I had never been winter camping before. It'll be fun, they said. <laughs> See where that sort of story's going. Okay, yeah, you're with me. All right. I was, uh, I was living in Hamilton, Ontario at the time, and some friends invited me to, to hike the summit of one of the mountains in the Adirondack Mountains um, to do on the summits. It's near Lake Placid area uh, in upstate New York, and it was in January. So, uh, so we attempted this summit, this mountain. That's actually the mountain that is not me, or I didn't get any pictures there, but it was that mountain. And that's about as far as we got before the snow uh, just began to pile up too deep, and we had to make the tough decision to turn around. And so we made our way, to, way back to the lean-to. It's uh, like an open air space, and that's a picture of one of the huts there um, where we spent the night. And, um, you know, I, it was okay. I, I rented the right sleeping bag. It was a big, puffy, duck-down filled one. It's supposed to be to minus 30, so that's what they said, minus 30, keep you warm. Or keep you alive. I couldn't remember which one it was. I think it was probably the second one. Um, so I was equipped. I was ready, uh, which was fine. But it was, uh, it was minus 18 that night. And um, that snow that had been coming down was so fine and powdery that every little gust of wind would just dust my face, kind of peeking through the little bit of the mummy bag that was showing. And um, it would just give me this fine kind of coating of sparkling snow, which was beautiful, and it would freeze on my face. Um, so cold, yes, like never before. I think I slept for five to ten minute stretches uh, all through the night, if I got any at all. Um, that was a long night. It was a long, cold night. Um, I'm not sure if I'd ever waited for the dawn like I waited for it in anticipation that way, to get out of my sleeping bag, to get warm again. Now, kids, there are a few kids in this service, aren't there? Kids, waiting can be hard, can't it? Like some of you have been waiting for what's under the tree. There's that certain something. Yes, Adam, I see that hand, my son. There's that certain something you're anticipating, you're longing and waiting for, or, or some of the, maybe some of you younger folk, you're waiting for that text from that certain someone, you're wondering if they're going to get back to you. Or you're waiting to hear back from the doctors because a loved one has gone into surgery and you want to know, is it going to be okay? We just sang that song, Silent Night, and sometimes I wonder about that idea. Like, was it really that silent? I don't know if you've ever heard a woman give birth to a baby. Um, silent is not how I would have described it. And um, so maybe it wasn't a silent night in that sense, but maybe it was silent in another way. I, I want to read to you from a children's um, Bible. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible, and it's, it's brilliantly told the whole story. But I'm going to read to you a part of the Christmas story this evening. Everything was ready. The moment God had been waiting for was here at last. God was coming to help his people, just as he promised in the beginning. But how would he come? What would he be like? What would he do? Mountains would have bowed down. Seas would have roared. Trees would have clapped their hands. But the earth held its breath. As silent as snow falling, he came in. When no one was looking into the darkness, he came. In that sort of way, the coming 
of the Son of God was very silent. God comes to us, humanity, to do what he promised to do, to mend what was broken, to forgive and to heal and to save. But he comes so quietly. As we sang in that song, this is the dawn of redeeming grace. Like I waited for the dawn to come that day, there would be a time that God's people were waiting, desperate for the newness of life, for the the hope that he would bring. That grace has come. We're going to listen to a song now together that the band prepared. And I mean, if you want to join your voice in a little as well, you're welcome to do that. But it's a song that has this tension of longing and hoping for what God might one day accomplish and how God is coming to make that come true. Let me just read you a few of the words. It says, the drought breaks with the tears of a mother. A baby's cry is the sound of love. Come down, come down, Emmanuel. He is the song for the suffering. He's the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. He's come. He's come, Emmanuel. In the long and winding story of the Bible, God's people had been waiting. Their eyes straining over the horizon. God, when are you going to send your rescuer to come? That longing of we heard in that song was their longing. And that's not all. It turns out, actually, that Advent was not only about God's people waiting, but actually God waiting too. God waiting for just the right time to enter into history. There's this place in the Bible, in the book of Galatians, it says, but when the, t- the set time had fully come, maybe that's not so unlike a woman whose child is finally ready to come. They're waiting in anticipation. When the time that God set had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman. Turns out that how God had chosen to come to rescue was really actually quite different than anyone expected. Let's listen into more of the story together. There was a, a young girl who was engaged to a man named Joseph. He was the great, 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 great grandson of King David. One morning, this girl was like minding her own business when suddenly a great warrior of light appeared right there in her bedroom. He was Gabriel and he was an angel, a special messenger of heaven. When she saw the tall, shining man standing there, Mary was frightened. You don't need to be scared, Gabriel said. God is very happy with you. Mary looked around to see if he was maybe talking to somebody else. Mary, Gabriel said. And he laughed with such gladness that Mary's eyes filled with sudden tears. Mary, you're going to have a baby, a little boy. You'll call him Jesus. He's God's own son. He's the one. He's the rescuer. The God who flung planets into space and kept them whirling around and around. The God who made the universe with just a word. The one who could do anything at all was making himself small and coming down as a baby. Wait, God was sending a baby to rescue the world? But it's too wonderful. Impossible, really, Mary said, and felt her heart beating hard. How can it be true? Is anything too wonderful for God, Gabriel said? 
So Mary trusted God more than her eyes could see, and she believed. I'm God's servant, she said. Whatever God says, I will do. Sure enough, it was just as the angel had said nine months later. Mary was almost ready to have her baby. Now Mary and Joseph had to take a trip to Bethlehem, the town King David was from. And when they reached the little town, they found every room was full, every bed taken. Go away, the innkeepers told them. There there isn't any place for you. Where would they stay? Soon Mary's baby would come. They they couldn't find anywhere except an old tumble-down stable. So they stayed where the cows and the donkeys and the horses stayed. The way that God is working here was beyond what we might expect. As we heard in this story, and as the Bible tells us, this is no regular baby either. This is God himself in human form. The great God, the one who sustains the universe moment by moment, making himself small? What? Talk about unexpected. This baby would be fully human, but fully God at the same time. Mind-bending, yes. But true, also, yes. Of all the ways God could have come to rescue, this seems so unlikely. But then again, God was showing the world, showing us what love is really like. That it takes the shape of giving, of giving up, of going down of laying down. What a wonder, what a joy. No wonder when the angels, they come to visit the the shepherds that night that Jesus was born, no wonder they use these kinds of words to announce his birth. Don't be afraid, look. I bring you good news to you. Wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David City. He is Christ the Lord. Here's another Signal of the unexpectedness of how God is working. God goes to the lowly shepherds. They were seen as the riffraff. Like, okay, you guys do your jobs, but stay up in the hills where you can stink up there. No, God shows up to them. They were the first to know. They get the heavenly choir. So they respond in maybe amazement. I don't know, but they run. They run to the little town of Bethlehem to see the newborn king. And we can still respond to to that humble way that God is coming for us. Would you come and worship him as well? Let's stand as we sing together. We've talked about waiting tonight. You know, sometimes I think that the waiting, the waiting that becomes the most meaningful for us in our lives is the waiting when we're actually suffering. Uh, Maybe we're looking forward to healing of some kind, being well again. Maybe it's physically, maybe it's the restoration of a relationship that's broken or strained. You know, one young pastor who had been arrested in Nazi Germany during the Second World War, he writes home to his family at Christmas from his prison cell, reassuring them that even though he's not going to be around the family table to enjoy the meal together with them, he certainly is celebrating Here's what he writes on December 17th, 1943. Viewed from a Christian perspective, Christmas in a prison cell can, of course, hardly be considered particularly problematic. Most likely, many of those here in this building will celebrate 
more meaningful, a more meaningful and authentic Christmas than in places where it's celebrated in name only. The misery, sorrow, poverty, loneliness, helplessness, and guilt means something quite different in the eyes of God than according to human judgment. That God turns toward the places from which humans turn away. That Christ was born in a stable because there was no room for him in the inn. A prisoner grasps this better than others. And for him, this is truly good news. Truly good news? Is he serious? He really is. That God is born in a barn because no one makes room for him in the inn, that speaks of how God's coming at Christmas is good news, particularly to those who know what that's like, who've been excluded, maybe marginalized, pushed to the side. This tells us that God has been there too. And as the Bible says, God is near to the brokenhearted. Jesus would go on to teach that blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Advent is really all about waiting. I mean, Advent literally means to wait for the arrival. Wait for the arrival of something, of what God promises. And waiting is really only meaningful if you have something to wait for. When you know that you're needy, that you're in need of something, in need of grace, in need of redemption. I, I said this this past Sunday I just want to repeat it again. Like you don't long for something you think you already have. You don't long for that thing. Let's read the rest of the story from our kid's book. And there in the stable, amongst the chickens and the donkeys and the cows, in the quiet of the night, God gave the world his wonderful gift. The baby that would Changed the world was born, his baby son. Mary and Joseph wrapped him up to keep him warm. They made a soft bed of straw and used animals, the animal's feeding trough as his cradle. And they gazed in wonder at God's great gift, wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Mary and Joseph named him Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God has come to live with us. Because, of course, he has. God has come to us. And anyone who recognizes their need for him, who longs to be with God, to have God near them, well, the promise of Scripture is that God will be near to those who draw near to him. That, at the end of the day, is what we're celebrating. Christmas is God breaking in, breaking through to our hearts breaking in to do what we could never do for ourselves to bring us the healing and forgiveness and renewal, the restored relationship with God, others, ourselves, and the rest of creation. That's what he brings. And here's why this fills me with such hope. Because when we're honest, we know that the world is broken, deeply broken. And when I'm honest, really honest, I know that the problem is right here in my own heart too. It doesn't work as it was made to work. It doesn't love as it was made to love. Two weeks ago, I told a story, and I think I'll tell it again. Um, 
As a five-year-old, I would sometimes sneak into our next-door neighbor's garage, Mr. Thompson's garage. He had bottles of Sprite that he had finished, and there was that little bit of, you know, spit in the bottom. Spritey spit, and so I loved sugar, and I wanted to drink it. And I knew it was wrong, and I would, I would sneak in, and I would, I would start sipping on these bottles. And uh, one day I snuck in there, and I was sipping on the bottles, and jackpot. It was a totally full one there. So I'm thinking, this is it. And I crack it open, and I start chugging away. And then it hits me, and I put it down, and I begin to run in terror. Um, I've been drinking gasoline. And I'm running home with tears streaming down my eyes, panic-stricken, wondering if I'm going to blow up. And I, and I burst into the kitchen. Mom, I just drank gas. I knew I needed help. And I tell you that story because that's true of my spiritual state as well. I've tried to live without reference to God, to find a sense of identity, like a who am I, or to find a sense of worth, or this is why I matter in the world. I've tried to find that apart from God, and folks, it doesn't work. Our hearts were created to be with our maker, to receive his love, to live out of that place. And we find out that he will break through every barrier. He goes to move heaven and earth in order to win us back again. And that day, gas churning in my belly, I I remember that pleading for help. See, kids, I didn't want a new toy that day. I wanted a cure. And mom from the doctor, and he said, drink milk. And it worked. So just in case you're wondering, I didn't blow up. I drank milk. But you know, there's gifts that we want, There's those, you know, I want X box. That's what the kids say nowadays. I want the X box. And um, we might might want, want X, but sometimes we get gifts that we really need. And you know, sometimes when we get those gifts we really need, we find out that ultimately that's what our heart was craving all along. And that's the gift we get at Christmas. I only read you part of that verse before from Galatians. There's more. It says, but when the time set, The set time had fully come. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. God sent him to buy our freedom, to pay so that I didn't have to live with the pattern of self-centeredness that I'm so bought into now. I could be free of that, free to live with God and his way of living. And look at the reason why so that he could adopt us as his very own children. That's what God has come to do. Make us his own kids. How does he buy us back? How does he win that freedom? It comes at the expense of his own life. He takes our brokenness, our selfishness, our rebellion against him on himself, and it crushes him. All the wrong things I've done, he pays for so I could walk away completely free and forgiven and perfect in God's sight. But that's not all. The reality is that Jesus was raised again three days later as a matter of history. Really, did that happen? Yes, I really think it did. But it would be a miracle. Yes, it really would. Just like Jesus' birth was too. God did the impossible again, and it shows us that what Jesus set out to accomplish, he completed So if this isn't the best Christmas ever for you, best Christmas ever, no, not me, that's actually okay. In fact, you might be really ready to experience Advent 
the sense of waiting and longing and hoping for the world to be healed, for you to be healed. That's why Jesus has come. For those who are broken and they know it. And you know what? At Advent, God is waiting too. What's God waiting for? Well, just as he was waiting for the right time to enter human history, the time when God the Father would send God the Son that first Christmas, Jesus came, he did what he needed to do, he paid, he was raised, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father where he reigns. But the promise is that he's going to come again to make right what was broken, to put this world back together and all who trust in him within it. But you might say, well, what's God waiting for then? If he's in in charge of the whole show, what's the delay for? The answer, well, I think at least part of an answer comes from a text in 2 Peter 3. Here it suggests that God is waiting. God is not being slow, it says, as you might think a slowness, but he's being patient so that more people might turn in trust to him, become his children, his heart longs for you. What's God waiting for? He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to come home, to come to him. Will you today? He is the loving father with his arms stretched out open wide to you. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful for Christmas. I'm thankful for family around the table. I really am. But God, I'm thankful that you met me in my brokenness, that you came for those who were lost and needy and knew it, and that you restore and heal. I'm so thankful, God, that that's the reality. And Lord, I pray for those who are here tonight, and maybe they've never really thought in that sense before, that you've come for them. I pray, God, that you would be speaking to them now, tonight, this week, that perhaps if they need to explore what this means more, that they would take the steps to do that. But God, I pray that if those who are ready to say yes to you now would do so, that they would know that you are the Father who loves them, that Christmas is love writ large over history. So Father, thank you that you came. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave your life for us out of love and that you were victorious over the grave so that we could know that victory and new start as well. We thank you that it's by trusting in you, not in trusting in ourselves, that we can receive that even tonight. May your name be praised.